Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined by Dave. And this week, you'll all be meeting our the newest member of the Live from the Blue Seats crew, Jean-Luc Chaparro, our new producer. He'll also be a co-host from time to time. He is on the other side of the virtual glass uh, and at the controls for, for this show uh, moving forward, which we're really excited about. Uh, want to apologize as well because we haven't done a show in a few weeks and a lot, uh, a lot has obviously happened uh, in the world of the New York Rangers and Dave and I are going to recap all that for you. We're going to meet John Luke a little bit later in the show and of course we will get to your questions. So uh, Dave, uh, it's been a few weeks. How you doing, man? I am pretty good. It's, I missed you guys. It's been a while. Um, unfortunately, life kind of comes your way a little bit too much lately especially when we got young kids although i think that's the first time i've ever heard the full intro song because usually you know when i'll listen to this later i'll kind of just skip to when you start your intro and i've never actually listened to the full thing yeah you know i I picked that song out actually you know what dave that reminds me that's something i wanted to acknowledge the next time we recorded which i think again three weeks ago was the was when we finished our last show but we have actually now been doing this podcast in some form for three years. We started in January of 2020 and we had some really interesting shows because if you remember what was happening then, that was before COVID, but that was the, uh, it was David Quinn's second season as head coach. And right around that time, that version of the Rangers started playing pretty well. Uh, they were getting themselves into the playoff race. They had just called up Igor who had been kind of uh, in the minors to start the year. And I think yo-yoed back and forth once or twice, but he came up and made his debut in, uh, in January against Colorado that year. We had that trade deadline with the, uh, the Pavel Buchnevich car accident. There was a lot going on back oh then. Oh my God. The yeah, car accident. I, I forgot about that. I've actually gone back and listened to some of those shows. Um, and uh, they were pretty good, honestly, not to toot our own horn here, but um, yeah, no, listen, the song is just one a random one I picked. It's one of those free songs you can find on the internet. And, uh, it has stuck with us, uh, as our theme song for three years. Um, although with John Luke on board, we are looking to grow the show, uh, evolve it, do some different things with it. You know, we've done some Twitter spaces, but maybe delve into a proper live show via YouTube or, or another streaming platform. So there's a lot of possibilities. And, and as always, I want to thank everybody who has stuck with us. Uh, through the first three years. And, and, you know, we are looking forward to bigger and better things, uh, you know, moving forward. So, and, you know, look, to bring it back to hockey, in that three-year period, the Rangers have kind of done what we hoped they would do, right? Grown from a rebuilding team, young team with some draft picks and some young players into a contender, quote unquote. And let's start there, Dave. So the Rangers are at the all-star break, their bye week slash all-star break, they, they, they have a full eight days off. I think they'll practice once before returning to action next Monday versus I think that's the Calgary game. Yeah. They're playing, they play Calgary, then Vancouver, then Seattle. Where do you think the Rangers are as a contender? Are they a bona fide Stanley cup contender or are they kind of just on the outside of that classification looking in? I think they are a bona fide contender that has holes. And I know that's a cop-out and a crap answer, but 
my initial projection of, I think I had them for like 110 points. Um, had they not blown, I, I think they've left six or seven points, possibly more on the table by blowing leads and by beating t- and by losing to teams in regulation, like Montreal that they shouldn't mm-hmm. have done. Um, if they didn't do that, I think they'd be on pace for that. But with what is, what is this? 33 games left. They're going to be a hundred point team. They're going to be in the playoffs. And the reason why we don't see them, we, we don't feel as comfortable with them is because of the very obvious coaching issues that we pointed out multiple times. And quite frankly, the devils and hurricanes are absolutely killing it right now. The Rangers would be second in their division in a normal year, but unfortunately the devils are great with, with holes as well. The hurricanes are very good and they don't have nearly as many holes as the devils. It's, they're a playoff team, and depending on the matchup, I like the Devils matchup if it continues this way. I do. Yeah. So, I and then it, it's it's the playoffs. It's a coin flip. Igor can steal a series. The Rangers already beat Carolina once in a series. You know, anything can happen once you get there. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you bring up the coaching issues, and there has been so much more digging into this team's flaws this year even though those flaws are, I would argue, slightly more muted. They are a better shot share team, right? They get more shot attempts than their opponent most nights. They are a still a solid defensive team. There, There is a misnomer, which I think exists almost solely because, well, not solely, but mainly because of the way they started last year, how they were you know, just giving up 45 shots routinely and, and asking Igor to stand on his head, which we did, which he did and delivered them, you know, unlikely victory after unlikely victory, but they actually grayed out as a very solid, you know, kind of middle of the pack defensive team. You know, the issue really for them and and our colleague on the blog and everyone sees his stuff on Twitter. I think he's got, you know, other than you, Dave, I think he's got the most followers out of anyone that kind of is in the blue seat blogs realm, but Rob Luker, it, it comes back to offense, you know, in a team, this team has had trouble consistently generating offense you know, it basically seems like they get one line a night going that kind of does all the heavy lifting. And then the other three lines are kind of either so-so or net negative. And that kind of brings me to, I think the thing that's on everybody's mind, which is, you know, what should the Rangers do at the deadline? Now I know we've got a question or two later in the show that we'll get to, we could dig into maybe some of the specifics here, but you know, they clearly need to augment at least, well, I shouldn't say clearly, I think they need to augment this forward group And I think they need to do it in a way that's very similar to last year. And I think, you know, even with that improved performance that I just detailed, it still feels a lot like last year, doesn't it, Dave, where they are like one or two, maybe even three depth pieces away from actually being a dangerous team. And also one where you can count on them rolling four consistent lines each night, because right now, and I know you've talked about this a lot, maybe we could dig into it a little bit. The biggest concern for me is actually the fourth line. The fourth line is a catastrophe right now with this with this team. Yeah, and it all goes back to Gallant and what he sold us, which is the roles. There are no roles right now. And the fourth line is basically just spare parts and throwing shit at a wall and seeing what's sticking, which is a problem, but it is a problem stemming from the overall concept of 
Gallant saying, we're going to have roles. We're going to have a shutdown line, two scoring lines, and a fourth line that does something. It could be another shutdown line. It could be an energy line. It could be another scoring line. The Rangers have the personnel to, they have the personnel to do any of them. But Mm -hmm. when you don't actually play these guys in those roles in the game and you don't match up the forwards, the roles are fucking useless. And we're sitting here trying to figure out, oh, why are the Rangers having these issues? Why are they having offensive issues? It's because it all stems to the roles and they're not playing to that specific strategy. And we can say, oh, VZ doesn't belong on the top line. Goudreau doesn't belong on the top line. We know this. That's Hockey 101. You don't put your shutdown players in a scoring role, even though good both of them are having good seasons again. You know, everybody likes to hate on Goudreau. He's putting up another $3.6 million season. I'll take it. But the Rangers are at their best when they have a shutdown line of Trocek, Goudreau, VZ, or... If you want to move Goodrow down to the fourth line, fine. That's when the Rangers are at their best, when they're not in the top six, and they actually have a guy like, say, Kravtsov playing in the top six. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that stand out to me as, I don't know if I'll call them easy fixes, but um, relatively simple things that they could do that I think uh, would help address these issues. One is probably, I think actually the, even more so than Kravtsov is go back to Lafreniere on the right wing somewhere, because clearly there is a, there's just a, this like hierarchical issue with you have Panarin and Kreider ahead of him in terms of the pecking order. And really that's not going to change. Now, right now Kreider is playing with Trocek and Goodrow, I think, with the with the current configuration, at least what we last saw, um, and has had some success. That line scored a couple of goals in the last game against Vegas before the break. Um, you know, Trocheck certainly awoke from a bit of a slumber, snapped a ten game goal goal drought, um, and that was all nice. I still don't think that that ultimately is the best alignment for this team. I, you know, they're trying to make Panarin and Zibanejad happen. I think we'll probably see that get a few more games after the break. But I don't know that it ever will happen. And I think, you know, I found Mika Zibanejad's comments after the the game interesting because he was almost, you know, for a guy who's pretty reserved and pretty agreeable, he sounded a little exasperated by the media. He's like, you guys always ask me, like, why doesn't this work? And I don't know. We're trying to make it work. And, you know, he just, it seems like one of those things that, everybody is praying will work and there, there seems to be a lot of attention and pressure on it and maybe it just won't work. And, and, you know, Kreider and Zibanejad have, have, have played parts of now six seasons together. If you go back to Mika's first season as a Ranger in 2016, 17. So actually that that's seven seasons, right? Um, they have an incredible rapport. Kako makes perfect sense on their right wing. We already know that by most measures, that's a top five, you know, on a, on a oh, good that day, maybe line top, kills it. top three line in hockey. Yeah, it's a great, great line. That line so kills it. the next most sensible thing is to put Panarin with your 2C, which to me is Filipino, right? Not Vincent Trocek. Well, that, that you're opening up and, a can of worms there. Does Galan well, actually right. realize that? Right. Well, I think he does. Well, realize versus does he want to do it or not do it because of like 
perceived defensive uh you know reasons which is a even though trocek isn't that good defensively i don't know i'm i'm also like a i'm weird with vincent trocek i like him as a person he does some really valuable solid things as a hockey player but like i'm not sold on him as like this all-around middle six c with like an edge and a grit and a defensive side to his game i don't i don't really see that i don't know maybe i'm wrong I like Trocek as a shutdown guy. I definitely don't like him as a scoring line center. He That's never been his thing. Uh, I'm pulling up his career highs. Well, he, yeah, I was going to say, if you want to pull that up, but like, I thought he always kind of profiled as more of a, he's, he was better offensively. He's almost no. like a, a forward version of Truba where, you know, Truba's seen as a shutdown. He's a big body. He's supposed to be the stay at home guy on that pair. But actually, his metrics tell you he's a better offensive defenseman than he is a defense. He's better at creating shots and chances than limiting them. I feel like Trocek's the same way. I think he's better at he's creating not. shots and chances than limiting. All right, maybe I'm wrong. He's not. I mean, he has. So his best year was with Florida in 2017, 2018. 30 goals, 75 points. Yeah. He had two 50 point seasons before that. And then, uh, then he gets moved around a lot. Yeah, and I'm not so, arguing. The, yeah, he got I'm moved around a lot, but he didn't have. He had a 51 point season last year, 43, 36. Well, I mean, these are also COVID years, so grain of salt. But he's just he's not that offensive guy, and at the very least, maybe his floor is high, but he's not that ceiling player that Heedel is. And we've seen what Heedel does. He's emerged as the one of the Rangers' best offensive weapons. How do you not give him more offensive time, at least at even strength? Yeah, look, I think I, I think you're absolutely right. And and I think this just gets back to the reality that, you know, Trocek on a on a third line, you know, playing a lot, by the way. And look, he's probably gonna play more. And you know, I, again, I say this all the time on this podcast. I'm not an ice time police guy. I, I, I think that coaches, I, I, I would love for a fan to be able to stand next to Gerard Gallant during a game and see what goes into uh, distributing ice time. And now look, Dave, you brought up a great point earlier about, yeah, does he not match up his forwards? Well, he doesn't really do it, right? He, he doesn't match up his forwards at all, right. at all. Right. And that's one thing, but, but still, you're still, he still does situationally put guys on the ice. You have power play and penalty kill to deal with. You have God knows what injuries that are being managed and other uh, unseen issues that that a coach knows about that we don't know about as fans, right? So I, I don't think it's as easy as, okay, the goal is to get Filipino 17 and a half minutes tonight and get Vincent Trocek 16, 45 tonight. And that's what I'm going to do. Like the game evolves and, and as it evolves, you make decisions. And sometimes, by the way, you need to throw the lines in the blender between periods because your team is asleep and you have to try and wake them up. So there's just a lot more factors than I think people realize. And that's why I don't go to the game sheet between every period and like, look at the fucking ice time. Cause it drives me insane. Point being though. Yes. In an ideal world, Philip Heedle is playing in an offensive role with Artemi Panarin. But then the issue is who's the right wing on that line. Is that Kravtsov? I don't think Galant's going to do that. I think it's probably, yeah. if you're going to go with that, it's more likely to be a guy like VZ because he's defensively responsible, right? Which is a low, which is so dumb. It's not that hard to figure this shit out. Top line is top line. Second line, if you want to do Panarin, Heedle, and either Kravtsov or Laff, shelter them. 
What the right. fuck do you think AV did with Pouliot, Zuccarello, and Broussard? They got like 80% offensive zone starts, and they killed it. This is what's bothering me about Gallant, and people will complain a lot about line changes because it's easy to see. But if you take a step back and it goes back to the roles, get the top line out whenever. Get that second line out for an offensive zone start. That's mm-hmm. the Panarin, Heedle, insert right wing here line. That third line, defensive zone starts, top competition starts. Fourth line, uh, assuming it's a scoring line, let's go with, um, I don't know, Brodzinski, Kravtsov, Gautier. Gautier, somebody. Right. Whatever. Somebody who's not Jake LeCision or Sammy Blay. And you give them, you know, again, offensive zone starts, neutral zone starts against third and fourth line competition. It's NHL coaching 101. Even AV and David Quinn matched up forwards here and there. And yeah. that's what's really getting to me about Gallant is he's not doing it. And I don't know if he ever I don't know if he did this in Vegas, but he's so set on his one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, their turn in the rotation that he doesn't adjust mid-game. And you're saying you need to adjust mid-game. He does it by throwing the lines in a blender, which doesn't fucking help. Sorry, I just went on a really No, no, no. I, well, yeah, I, I think it's, it is frustrating. And, and I do think that, you know, there has been some, I think maybe not 100% serious takes on Twitter. And of course it's Twitter. But basically that Gallant is doing things like putting VZ and Goodrow in the top six from time to time basically to send a message to Chris Drury and say, hey, buddy, I need an actual top six guy I can put, especially on right wing. Now, again, I would love to see Lafreniere get a little bit more of a chance there, especially now that his confidence is back. You know, he's looked a lot better. I think the kid line helps his confidence get going. I think that's actually a big reason why they started the season in camp with the kid line as a as a thing, Good even point. though I think Gallant didn't want to do that. But it helped, it helped get Lafreniere going, right? And then, and then they put him on the right wing, with Trocek and Panarin, and it actually worked pretty well the first eight or 10 games of the year before, you know, all the line blender, you know, that Detroit game that we always reference. That one period kind of, against Detroit. Right. It was kind of like. the turning point of the year for the, for plan A. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, ultimately they, I do think they are a piece or two away and, and, and we will save the trade deadline stuff for a little bit later in the show. Speaking of trades, and before we we meet John Luke, that's coming up here in just a, a couple of minutes. Uh, I want to shift gears quickly, Dave, and get your thoughts on the big news from this week in the NHL, not Rangers related, really indirectly, I suppose, but the Bo Horvat trade. So Horvat oh, to the Islanders for a conditional pick, Atu Rati and Anthony Beauvillier. Beauvillier, of course, that's a conditional first round pick, top top twelve protected, I should say, not conditional, uh, top twelve protected first round pick. Uh, in this year's draft that will slide to next year if uh, if it falls within the top 12. So, um, Dave, what are your what were your initial thoughts upon hearing that news? I'd love to get your uh, your take as you're someone who really knows the trade, the trade market. So. I don't know what the hell Lou is doing. <laughs> the Islanders are not in a position to make a move like that. They are one, two, three, four, five, six. In the Metro, and yeah, the Metro's going to send five, mo- most likely send five teams to the playoffs. But they're two points back of a surging Penguins team that has three games in hand. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? 
And Rot when it comes to the pieces, Bovillier needed a fresh start. And Rati, I know a lot of prospect Twitter loves him. He projects out as a middle six center. And then the pick is most likely going to be this year. They're not going to finish in the bottom 12 in the NHL. You don't think but, so? No, I don't think so. I think no, probably gonna, not. Horvat Hor- yeah. adds a good amount of offense for them, but it's still not enough. But they're they're going to be like those uh, the Rangers teams from 05 to 2010 or 06 to 2010. Mm-hmm. A goalie with barely any offense. Yeah, I read. And, I think it was. I think it was Dom. I think you say his name like Lucizen or something like that. We got Lucision. We got. But from the Athletic, um, I think in his recap of the trade, this is what stuck with me: getting Horvat increases their playoff chances from fourteen percent to nineteen percent. So <laughs> it moves the needle, but not by really enough to justify making a, a trade like that. Um, I also really like Beauvillier. I was surprised when I looked at his stats that he does only have the one 20 goal season, but he actually scored a ton in the playoffs. Their last two playoff runs. Um, He's actually the kind of guy that I think the Rangers should be targeting at the trade deadline. Not that I'm saying that they would get him from Vancouver. Although wouldn't that be kind of hilarious if Vancouver flips him and trades him to the Rangers at this deadline? Again, I don't think that that's happening, but um, I feel like he's the kind of guy they need just like a, Winger who shoots, a winger who can put up 10 goals in a 20 game span. You know what? That is not as crazy as it sounds. 25 year old, making four he's got a million. Year left. He's got another year after this. He's a right wing that the Rangers could use. Mm-hmm. It's very clear Vitaly Krasov is not in Drury or Galant's plans. And it pains me to say that. Because I like him and they're going to trade him and they're going to regret it. But it sounds like they're going to trade him for somebody that has at least another year left. And if you go to Vancouver and you get, say, Beauvillier and listen, I hate that they're going to do this, but they're going to get Luke Shen. That's my own personal mm. guess. I think they're going to go after Luke Shen. I've heard, Tampa for, I've heard Tampa for Luke Shen, but yeah. Oh, that's possible. all right. Fair. But you go out, you get somebody like him. You get rid of an expiring contract. And if you throw in a 2024 first and you get Beauvillier at 50% retained, Mm -hmm. you're getting a top nine forward for $2 million. And that helps a lot of their cap issues. It's you're right. It's not crazy. Um, I don't think it's crazy. I I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's as crazy as people might make it sound. All right. Well, maybe we'll keep our eye on that. Um, maybe we just started something here. Is the uh, Anthony Beauvillier turning back around and doing another cross country flight. He'll be in town next week when the Rangers play the Canucks. That should ought to be interesting. Rick Tockett taking over the, uh, oh, taking, God, taking the reins there. Yeah. The less said, the better about that. But yeah, that, uh, that was fucked up. That was fucked up. Yeah, the whole, that whole, that was a mess. Um, you know what? On that, if you had to gun to your head, pick a coach, Boudreaux or Boudreaux, how do you pronounce his last name? Boudreaux or Gallant? Mm-hmm. Pick one. <sighs> They're so similar in in, in, in weird ways. Uh, I would go They Gallant. run very close to the same systems. 
So yeah, that helps. I'd go Gallant. I know Boudreaux is kind of has this reputation as a guy who supercharges the team's offense, which is what the Gallant's Rangers need. Teams That's are what I'd pre- go for. It. Yeah, but Gallant's teams have been pretty good offensively. If you look back at, especially those couple of those Vegas teams, not not necessarily the very first year, but the team after that was a machine. They were really, really, really good offensively. Yeah, they um, were look, good offensively, be- but this Rangers team isn't. I know, and they have just as much talent. It's it's tough to figure. Um, all right, Dave, I want to move us along because uh, it's time to meet the new producer of Live from the Blue Seats. He is the one and only John Luke Shaparo. So we have Shapiro, as you said, Dave, you yourself, and John Luke Shaparo. Now that that won't confuse. That's not going to get confusing. No, uh, John Luke. You got to change your last show. name, dude. You got to yeah. change your last name. <laughs> <laughs> welcome Good to the grief. show how, how, how are you doing i'm doing all right thank you guys for bringing me on thank you for having me um it's nice to be part of the uh rangers podcast sphere again uh i'm i'm listening to you guys talk about the rangers and i'm like pretty much agreeing with most of what you guys are saying so i think this will go pretty well fingers <laughs> crossed so well t- to your point though john luke uh sometimes the best you know, audio content, podcast, radio, whatever you're doing, you know, there should be a little bit of at least healthy disagreement, you know, friendly stuff. I don't want to go, you know, skip Bayless, Sterling Sharp here or anything like that. But (laughs) I think also, to be fair, uh, when Becky is on the show, her and Dave have had some pretty famous spats. Um, Oh, boy. Yeah. Becky and I have been friends uh, for like 20 years. So, yes. Yeah. So, but there's, you know, there's certain. It's it's fun. Yeah, there there's certain things that are um that that if you bring up and Dave will do it, uh, Becky will will get pretty hot under the collar and and vice versa by the way with Dave. So um we can maybe dig into that stuff uh, and we look forward to having Becky back on the show in in the coming weeks as well. So um but John Luke, yeah, so you you've been with kind of the Blue Seat Blogs crew for a few weeks now. Um, not sure if you've had any written content on the blog, but. Um, obviously you also have the podcast background, but just, but just give everybody a little bit of a sense of, uh, who you are and, and, uh, you know, what you bring to the table. Oh boy. This feels like introductions at college all over again. <laughs> um, so obviously my name is John Luke Shapiro, not Shapiro. Um, I am a broadcaster by trade. I have done a couple of podcasts online on Twitterverse, a uh, huge sports guy currently produce, uh, mesmerized online for uh for their website previously did another ranger podcast before this uh, i had my own talk show which i'm trying to bring back on youtube for a very long time and i work for a uh local access uh television station here in a smallish kind of town probably about 45 minutes from new york city um my hockey takes are either really good or really bad i do have an article coming on blue sea blogs coming soon i'm just trying to make sure it's not total buffoonery um but yeah don't worry, i'll call I'm, you out if it is oh please do i like that i don't i don't i don't like a yes man please um <laughs> so um no but you know i just i just like talking sports uh it's what i want to get into in the field and i enjoy doing this kind of stuff and uh i don't really know what else to say about myself um but i'm here and i'm ready to rock really happy to have you and um, you know, I, I mentioned it at the top of the show, but we are looking to, let's say, expand the offering of live from the blue seats, right? So we are, uh, when we need to, when we, when we can do it, of course, a weekly podcast, 
we've done some Twitter spaces, which are, are really fun. I know Dave, you, you know, we, we've enjoyed doing them together uh, with Becky. I've done a couple alone, uh, but being able to interact directly with our, our, our fans and some of the listeners is great. You know, it's kind of becomes more of that, you know, WFAN style call in show, which mm-hmm. uh, I grew up listening to. And I, you know, I'm sure right. you guys as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we are going to look to um, do more with this podcast than just have it be kind of a, a weekly Thursday drop. But first and foremost, we want to get back to doing it weekly. And John Luke's going to help us do that. So we're really excited to have you on board. Um, yeah, I mean, I just tell us about your Ranger fandom, John Luke. How long have you been a fan? Um, and how, you know, what was your journey into becoming, uh, you know, a fan of this team that that we love so dearly, but that puts us through an awful lot of pain and suffering? Most of the time, gosh, you can put an emphasis on the pain and suffering. Being a Mets fan doesn't exactly help with that. But um, <laughs> I uh, are you a Jeff so, fan too? By the way, unfortunately, I am. Yes. Oh, you got the trifecta. <laughs> I'm staring. I'm staring at my three Zach Wilson jerseys right oh. now. Ooh, um, <laughs> anyways, so uh, as a kid um, growing up in basically Central Jersey, it is a thing. By the way, a lot of people tend to disagree yes. with me on that, but Central Co-sign. Jersey is a thing. Originally born in New York, but I'm a Jersey boy through and through. And obviously the Devils, when I was younger, were big. You know, I mean, they were, you know, you know, making the playoffs every year. They won three Stanley Cups when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was never really full time into hockey until a little bit later in life. So probably about the age of like 13 or 14. Uh, it was the off season for baseball and the Mets had been terrible, of course. So I had wanted to find a, a different sport to watch and the Jets weren't exactly helping out my cause. Um, I think there was a game they got blown up by the Cleveland Browns on a Sunday that kind of just like numbed me out a little bit. So I, I put on uh, MSG and I had known that they had put, you know, the Mets used to be on that channel for a very long time. A lot of people don't remember that, but the Mets on MSG were a thing. And I would just, I watched, I remember watching a game of, it was Rangers Ducks. And the first player I noticed on the ice was Scott Gomez. And when you hear Gomez, you know, me being Puerto Rican and him being Hispanic too, it's like, oh, that's, I see somebody of my own on there. So then what I decided to do was I just started to research it. I continued to watch. And so I think that was the season that they had lost to the Penguins in the first round. So, I was like, well, maybe I should start watching this more. And I'm thinking, should I pick the Devils or should I pick the Rangers? Being that I'm a son of a minister, I would not be very kosher for me to pick the Devils. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically enough, my dad's an Islander fan, funny enough. But uh, I decided to pick the Rangers because I I liked the I liked the team at the time. I liked Yager. I started paying attention to him. Shanahan. I have a Shanahan jersey in my closet. Um, And I just kind of went from there, really. So. Ever since then, I'd been a, a rabid. I mean, just as probably just as much as I am with the Mets. If there's anything you know about me, you can ask anyone who's interacted with me over the years knows that I'm a huge Mets guy. On this recording here, as we're doing this through our new uh, StreamYard uh, uh, service, my picture is me in a turtleneck with a Mets uh, jersey on. But mm-hmm. the Rangers have... It's it's baseball one and hockey's one a and sometimes hockey supersedes it sometimes because I just can't get enough of it. So ever since then, I caught pretty much most of the Ranger playoff runs, and I, I find it funny when you said that remark about um, 
Dave about the Rangers trading, like the Islanders trading for Horvat, and basically a move being similar to the you know 05 to 2010 New York Rangers. <laughs> and I'm cracking up of what you know behind the mic because I'm like, damn, that is so true. You know, I remember when they traded for Eric Stahl. It was a Sunday. I'll never forget this for Alexi Sorella. I think his name was. Yeah. And I'm saying, oh yeah, this is going to be great, but they're kind of like tapping out now because they don't have really much else to give. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm huge Ranger fan. That's pretty much my origin story with it. Uh, have a lot of experiences having gone to the garden a lot over the last couple of years, and I am just rabid for Rangers hockey. So it's nice to be back here to actually like talk Rangers and stuff. So thank you guys again. So that's a little bit about me and my Ranger fandom. I'm no flake. So <laughs> I don't know. You Do got you... Mets, Jets, and Rangers. You might wind up with a villain our origin story here at some point. <laughs> well, if true. it hasn't started already, then I don't know what will start it. <laughs> Do you remember? Oh, yeah, I'm sure you remember it. What actually because uh you were a little bit older when you got into the team. What, what what was your first game you attended? So my first game was either, I can't remember the date exactly, but it was either, it was, I think it was February 23rd, 2015. And the reason why, it oh, took wow. me so, the reason why it took me so long to get to Madison square garden. Now, I'd gone to Mets games a bunch as a kid, but I never paid for them. So 2015 was around the time where I was actually able to have a little bit more financial freedom for myself. Cause you know, I'm you know, young college kid trying to get a ticket to Madison square garden is not easy. You no, know? it's not. Um, but I finally had some money uh, saved up and I decided to go to this game. It was Rangers blue jackets. And I remember this was during the president's trophy winning season. And this is what cement now Martin St. Louis is one of my favorite New York Rangers. Now I always say whenever a player does well, when I'm there, they instantly become one of my favorites. Now I had already loved Marty St. Louis from the playoff from the year prior, but this cemented so much so that I ended up buying one of his sticks, the yellow warrior. I'm looking at it right now. I bought mm -hmm. it because of what he did this game. He scored two goals that game. And the Chris, uh, not Chris, uh, I was gonna say Chris Hayes, the, MSNBC reporter Kevin Hayes scored the first ever goal I saw in person. It was just a th throw on net and it went in. I remember the goal horn going off for the first time, been in my house hearing it on TV. And I remember this kind of like this electricity went through me, you know, and I just remember losing my mind, just not being used to hearing that goal horn and singing the song and all that. So uh, yeah, Kevin Hayes scored first. Marty St. Louis scored two goals, but the, for, for for I think it was Curtis McElhenney was the starting goaltender that day. Um, wow, that's, that's yeah, <laughs> Kurt, yeah. And and the thing was is that uh, th that game I remember I think it was in the third period. Rick Nash was cutting in and he actually got pushed into him, McElhenney, but the referee called it interference. So the rest of that period, every time McElhenney either made a save or touched the puck because he dove, the whole we all booed the ever loving crap out of them mm -hmm. so they ended up winning that game in a shootout and i remember like just losing it i got home really late that night because i didn't know how to you know get from there to penn station i mean I, I didn't know what i was doing so i got home on a later train than i should have next day excuse me i go to college and i got my friend yelling at me because <laughs> he's like i wanted to go to that game because i took a girl over him <laughs> oh man so, so that was that oh, was my that cardinal yeah. sin well, 
he was he was a Devils fan, so it didn't really. Oh no, not a Cardinals fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that was my first uh, that was my first ever Ranger game experience, and I didn't go for another two years. And then when I had a little bit more money, I just I'm now you guys know you see it in the chat all the time. I'm basically almost at MSG like at least every other week. (laughs) So that that, that smile is my first game. You get there a lot, which is great. And, you know, we will uh, meet up. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have season tickets. My dad has had them for over 20 years at this point oh, nice. and actually has them going back to uh, or had them in the 60s and 70s, gave them up in the in the mid 70s. All of his friends kind of dropped out, the old kids and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. got them back in the early 2000s when the team was bad. Those were kind of the dark. Those are the dark ages that you missed, John Luke. I mean, what, what you mm-hmm. went through. Uh, with the rebuild that that we just kind of are coming out of that I mentioned at the top of the show, that was kind of the the only down period that you would have really experienced. I mean, you've seen playoff teams, you've seen some runs at the cup. You know, obviously they haven't finished the job, but it's actually a look, it's a pretty good time to be a fan. And absolutely, um, you know, I think that, you know, Dave, we pride ourselves on this show. Uh, we try to be, you know, critical and objective, but also not doom and gloom. And and there's an awful right. lot of folks out there who are just relentless with oh. the team is bad and they do everything wrong and the the Pavel Buchnevich trade and they, oh, do they even have don't, an don't analytics even, department no. and Sammy Blay and I'm just like guys like <laughs> the team has like four of the best players in the league they have a top goalie and they make the playoffs every year like what do we want here you know look would it be nice if they were like the Bruins and they went they were 38 7 and 5 sure like the Bruins never lose but that's also no guarantee at a Stanley Cup. And right. the Rangers have, I think, the pieces this year in place. And, you know, look, are there concerns moving forward with the salary cap? Sure. But, you know, this is where Chris Drury, we will find out about him as a GM. Now, Dave, I know, you, you know, he is not somebody that you're particularly fond of. But, you know, we are going to have two years of data behind us after this year. And then we're going to have a huge offseason where I think we will find out if Chris Drury is worth his salt as a general manager in this league, because the good ones get around these problems. I just read, I was reading an athletic article earlier today that, uh, and we were recording this on Tuesday, a couple of days, you know, before you guys listen to this on, on Thursday when it drops, but they were talking about, I think Tampa Bay's, uh, you know, uh, cap situation, how much cap space Dave, you always look at cap friendly. You probably haven't memorized, but this jumped out at me. How much cap space does the Tampa Bay Lightning have right now? It's None. literally, it's I negatives. think, it's, it's, it's seven hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, and look, I get it. You don't want to be in the position the Rangers are in next year, where you have three big time young players that need new contracts. But if Chris Drury is worth his salt as a general manager, all three of those guys will sign, and I think all three of them will stay Rangers long term if they do it the right way. And Dave, you wrote an article about this with maybe a bridge deal for one or two of the players with a kind of a promise of a longer term deal when the cap goes up, you know, you can maneuver this. Look, one of the potential uh, unintended benefits of Lafreniere having kind of a down year scoring wise, especially is that he's not going to command a lot of money in this next contract. So maybe you squeeze him at a a lower number for a couple of years and, you know, hope that he progresses, uh, you know, and, and hits it big at a time where you can more afford a, a bigger contract. So, you know, I just think that, that again, to bring it back to the larger point, there's a lot of negativity out there. And I think, you know, we try to be objective and critical when we need to be, but also, you know, we're not up here telling people every week that this team is, is not worth the damn. So 
um, yeah, I don't know if Dave, if you have anything you want to uh, add there. I mean, you just summed it up perfectly. It's okay to say the team is good, but they can be better. I think Black mm-hmm. Panther said it best. Just because something works doesn't mean it can't be improved upon. I think that was Shuri who said that. Yes, I'm throwing Marvel quotes out there. Hey, I'm not the guy for it, but maybe. I don't know about you, John Luke. I don't know if you're a Marvel no, guy, but a, I know I, I know a lot of people are. Really? Both? Is that missed on both? Yeah. Well, you know what? How about this? If somebody listening appreciated that quote, please let me know. So I feel a little bit better about myself. No, but. there will be people out there. Oh, first of all, we know, we know Russ, we know Russ, Russell uh, Hartman. Oh yeah. We'll oh, certainly yeah. appreciate it. So we've Good. got Russ. Don't worry about it. All right. So I got one, but it, it's a good way to approach, not just this, this is hockey. This is a podcast we do for fun. You know, this is nothing. You apply this to work, your professional life. You know, just because something works doesn't mean you can't make it better. The Rangers work. They can be better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, and ironically, there's there's more negativity this year, even though I think the team is better in a lot of areas. So, you know, look, we'll we'll see what happens. This is a huge trade deadline for Drury. It's a huge offseason for Drury, although, you know, I don't want to be thinking about that because I think this team has another long playoff run in it. So um, with that. Let's get to those fan questions. So, you know, John Luke, as you know, uh, and this is our favorite part of the show, we have a, uh, a, a small army of listeners, but they're super engaged. Uh, they love, you know, asking questions. We, we, we try to, um, we, we, we answer all of them as soon as long as they are submitted before the time we record. Um, and we, we obviously appreciate the engagement from the audience. And, and again, you know, if we do live shows or if we start, uh, you know, some different things, we're looking for more creative ways to get our, our listeners involved. And also grow the audience. Um, so with that said, if you would, sir, uh, in your duties as producer, could you please uh, share those questions with us? And Dave and I will we'll give our takes. And if you uh, want to throw your two cents in, please do. Absolutely. All right. Here comes some of the questions that are, are from uh, some of our uh, the tweet that was sent out uh, earlier today. So the first question comes from at Bill Seussville. This is one of my favorite follows on Twitter. This guy He's is great. a gem. Yeah, he repeat, he asks, what does the Bo Horvat trade do to the rental market? So it's good that you guys touched on that earlier, but I guess you guys could expand on it going down forward to the rest of the deadline. And I'll defer to Dave because Dave has a really, you have a really good knowledge, Dave, of kind of the, the, the way the NHL market works. Um, you know, I can sort of throw out a thought or two, but I, I want you to take this one first. All right. If you insist, um, nothing. This was Lou Lamorello negotiating against himself. Vancouver did not take any other offers. This does not impact the trade market whatsoever. This is one of those weird things to me that it's just an odd trade for both teams. The Islanders shouldn't Mm -hmm. have made that trade and the Canucks should have held on as long as possible, but they got a little bit of a FOMO with JT Miller because he was supposed to go to the Islanders over the summer that fell through. And before that, it was supposed to come to the Rangers, but that fell through. So they're probably thinking, oh, shit, we got to get rid of these guys before we fuck up again. So they took the first offer they found. Yeah, see, that's the interesting thing, too. And, I, you know, I, I don't have much to add there, Dave. But in my reading and, and you know, uh, of the trade recaps that came out after this deal, you know, obviously it was very easy as a Ranger fan to laugh at the Islanders. And I've thoroughly enjoyed that. But 
the most of the grades from the you know the the media the national media were were just as harsh on the Canucks they basically said this is a, a bad deal for the Canucks too um you know they they uh as you said Dave and I think this is the point they didn't really need to move Horvat they probably could have hung on and really created a bidding war going down to the you know to the wire here you know the trade deadline is not until March they made this deal in January so yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me it's almost in a weird way this is going to sound kind of wonky and and I, not that I think the Vancouver's trying to quote unquote compete, but it's almost kind of like a hockey trade, right? I mean, they get, they get a useful, they get two useful pros. I mean, I think Rati is going to play right there. They might as well just put yeah. him right in the lineup. Um, maybe that's and, why they took the deal. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah maybe it's Vancouver's a looking trade to retool. Right. Right. Rebuild. Exactly. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I found more, you know, lulls out of the trade than anything else. Honestly, I don't, I don't have a strong take on the, on how it affects everything else, but I think you're right, Dave, it doesn't really affect the the rental market specifically. It kind of smacks as more of a hockey trade. If I may add real quick before we go to the next question, uh, I, I, I don't necessarily understand it similar to both your guys thoughts at, I think it does impact the trade market a little bit because now I think uh, a lot of general managers are going to try and emulate it in some form of another Um, because there's always like a precedent that always starts off with something and that usually ends up getting the ball rolling most of the time, at least from what I remember, just with most hockey off seasons is that the first big move always is the one that ends up really putting things in motion i think now teams are going to want to either depending on the type of contract they're going to either try to either lowball other teams or try and come up with these weird packages that never really go through i mean you kind of saw it at least from what i remember and you guys could totally yell at me for this if i'm totally off base when jack eichel was being thrown around there were these different types of trades that were, you know, being proposed or offered and whatever. And it kind of like kind of set the whole off season in this weird sort of trajectory. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of relate the blade trade to it in that sense. Oh, you because... can be PTSD dude. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, and I know I mentioned this in the chat, uh, before Terry Pagula came out and you know, the report was that he was not going to send him to the Rangers. I, 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 I don't think any GM is outside of certain people like Lou Lamorello. I don't think any GM is that stupid to trade like a, basically a point per game player for a guy who mind you did win a Stanley cup, but is a lower bottom six forward. If you don't have a contingency plan for it, but mm-hmm. you know, obviously same thing, you know, there's always a silver lining because a bandage gets extended of it. So I think this trade is going to really spawn some, really dumb deals because it, it just basically sets the precedent, but you, you guys have a better grasp on this. So I won't refute it too much because you know, you can shoot well, me the sun. So <laughs> no, no, no. I also, what I'll say is I think, look, it kind of does give GMs cover. Maybe they'll take a little bit more risk. I mean, that's one of my things with the NHL trade deadline that always, you know, kind of irks me is that generally speaking, you don't see a lot of risk taking really. It's just kind oh, it's of typical. So Right. It's very vanilla. It's depth player for fourth round pick, depth player for fourth round pick, like middle six player for second round pick. It's just kind of very repetitive. And, you know, at least this had a little bit of flavor to it. He had some names move. I mean, I know Beauvillier is not exactly a star, but he's a guy who scored 20 goals in the league. Horvat's a name. So we'll see. No, I think that's that's a 
fair fair thought there, John Luke. And I think um, you know, the the you know, look, let's just hope that the Rangers aren't one of the teams that decides to do something dumb now because they have some cover from the from from the, the Islanders. Well, fingers crossed. So next question comes from Immortal Lou 30, aka the guy who was going to totally give Tony D'Angelo his money's worth. Um, if the all-star game had skills competitions for non-hockey related things, what category would each of our all-stars win? That's a good question. I like that. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> these are, these are always Damn tough. It, because... Lou, what the hell? I am not drunk enough for this. <laughs> All right. So, uh, how about right off the top of my head? I mean, I think Adam Fox wins a staring contest. And basically, it's one of those where uh, you have somebody trying to make you laugh. And I just, you know, I'm just picturing his face and how, like, just completely emotionless he looks all the time. And I think, yeah, I think he I think he wins that competition in a, in a heartbeat. So does the staring contest count? I mean, I think that's a good start. And that takes care of Adam Fox. Um, uh, I got one for Chester. I don't okay. know what for Igor. Igor, uh, Jim. Oh, Gastic, Igor. Maybe? No, drag racing. I don't know. Come on, we were talking about his car accident <laughs> before. Come on. I, I don't know how to react to that, honestly. <laughs> I'm gonna go dark humor here. Drag racing. Oh man. Okay. Well, if you insist. All right. <laughs> uh, and then one for Panarin. Baker. Yeah, good call, Baker. I think I think, think Panarin would do well in a in a in an improv contest if that would be a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny. That's so, good. He's funny. Jacob, he's Jacob. Yeah, I am still disappointed that neither one of you laughed immediately when I said drag race. Oh, I just don't want to get fired. I don't want to get fired, <laughs> Dave. Damn. Oh. You got to do a lot of fired around here. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot. Well, duly noted, I guess. Good question, Lou. Don't kick my dog. Okay, fair or enough. My daughter. <laughs> but mainly like the, the dog. I like how the dog <laughs> the came dog. first. But mainly the dog. <laughs> All right, we're ready for another question. Are you guys still tinkering on that one? No, let's move on. Okay. Thank you, Lou, for that question. I kind of really wish that Tony D'Angelo fight happened. Um, all right. So uh, this, <laughs> sorry about that. All right. This next question comes from Kevin, who is at Spozo211. Hopefully I get that correct. He writes, Boston is the class of the East. What other teams would you be worried about the Rangers seeing in the playoffs? Great question. Yeah, I love that question. Um. So Dave, I'm going to I'm going to take something you said at the top of the show and completely agree with it again to be totally boring. And and Carolina and the Devils, I'm not really worried. Carolina the Rangers know what they're getting there and they they played them really again, this is another thing amidst all the negativity and everybody blah blah blah. Do you remember how well the Rangers played against Carolina this year and that was like a huge game and they were like Good in the first, and I think Carolina kind of took it to them in the second. The Rangers absolutely dominated that third period, ran away with the game, and and deserved, I think, at the four to five or four or five to one victory that they got. So, and they just, I think, they frustrate the hell out of Brindamore. I think there's just something about the Rangers that's a bad matchup for Carolina. And I, you know, this is going to sound super kind of hot take, dad in the blue seats, but that's kind of what I am at this point. 
Uh, I think the Devils are soft and they're young, and I think that they're going to get their asses kicked in the playoffs by whoever they play. I think they'll win some games, don't get me wrong, but the physical demands and the intensity, I mean, this isn't, Jack Hughes is not going to be able to dance around the way he gets to dance around in the regular season, especially in three-on-three overtime. Look, he's really talented. I'm not taking anything away from him, but a lot of these goals you see him score are in like swaths of open ice that simply do not exist in the playoffs. He is going to have to fight for every inch. It's a completely different game. And uh, I think the Devils are going to have tougher sledding than than they, and especially their fans, realize is coming. Uh, but they are going to, of course, make the tournament barring a, a massive collapse. So that leaves us with the other division. And I mean... I guess I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say Tampa because of course and this, you say Tampa. Yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> the thing about Tampa is that series last year, both proved how close the Rangers are and yet how far they are from being able to actually do this. Tampa came into that series a little bit rusty because they were off of a four game sweep they were sleepy in both games of the garden. And then, and I think the Rangers also, by the way, played well and not to take anything away from them, but once they knew what the demand was going to be to beat the Rangers with John Cooper coaching them and with, you know, their experience, they, they just knew exactly how to turn up their game, to shut the Rangers down and basically suffocate them to death and, and win, you know, what were mostly defensive oriented type tight games. Um, and then of course they really did obliterate the Rangers in game six. That, that game was only close because of Igor. So Tampa still scares me until further notice. So that's mine. I'm going to go off the reservation and I'm going to get laughed at Toronto. Yes. I'm laughing at you. And I know <laughs> so, Becky's laughing at you. Yes. And I know <laughs> Jess is listening and Jess is going to laugh at me. Um, uh, Toronto is 24 and four at home. They have the fourth best points percentage in the league. They are doing all of this while their fan base, which is worse than ours, by the way, is complaining that they have all of these holes in their lineup. And I think that they, like the Rangers, only need depth players. This is a very good team. And like we always used to laugh at Washington in the playoffs, they couldn't beat, they couldn't get past the second round. Toronto can't get past the first round, but if they do, and I think Tampa is not as good as people think, they're locked in already. That that series is locked in. I think if Toronto beats Tampa, Toronto runs the table in the East. That's yes, certainly I think a claim. they beat Boston. John Luke, I think you want to clip that one for future reference. <laughs> yeah, keep oh, it in mind. You motherfucker. <laughs> Let's keep that one in mind. Well, hey, yes. keep, you know what? We should we should we should call back to these. Um and and you know, we'll see you know what what comes true, what comes to fruition. But no, listen, Dave, I mean I, I'm 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 being a little uh you know playful here. I I think Toronto is great too. Uh, I mean I do think they're they're and all those stats that you cited and 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 the the fact that yeah, their their roster does not have many holes at all. I, the, it always comes back to goaltending for, for me though. I just, uh, they've tried. I mean, who, who do they, who is there even their goalie this year? Is it, is it Samsonov? I can't even remember. Uh, Samsonov. And, also and remember, Murray. you don't need an elite goalie to win in the playoffs. No, you don't, but it helps. Well, yeah. Okay. It, 
if uh, if I had to pick, if they make it, not Tampa, you know, not New Jersey, not Carolina. If this team makes the playoffs, I think they could pose a threat. The Buffalo Sabers. Wow. Wow. And the reason the reason why I say that is because for some reason, and 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 I'm not going to use any underlying stats because I don't I don't really have them in front of me right now, but I have a buddy of mine, very good friend of mine, who is from Buffalo. He's a big Sabres fan. I pay attention to the Sabres a lot because of him. And for some reason, there's something about that team that they just it seems like they could turn another gear when the time comes to it. It's just the way that that team is constructed. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is a stupid thing to say. Again, vilify me all you want if I'm wrong. But I feel like if Buffalo gets hot at the right time towards the end of the season and they make it to the playoffs, I really think they could, you know, really cause some trouble. Um, have I don't think they've played the Rangers and the Sabres. They haven't played each other yet this year, right? But You're right. No, I was just going to say, I don't think they, we've seen those teams meet. Yeah, they play. I think the first time they play is at the beginning of March. And then they play They play once more at the end of March. And then they play in at MSG in, uh, in April, if I just remembered now. But I feel like they would do pretty well. I mean, T.H. Thompson is a beast. Rasmus Dahlin is basically coming into his own. That team has a lot of good young skill to it. You know, everybody wanted to make fun of Kevin Adams, but, you know, seems like that Eichel trade is working out pretty well for them. You know, Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, you know, their goaltending situation could be a bit better, but I think uh, Luka Pekka Lukanen, and I forget who their other goaltender is, but... Man, you just rattled that name off like it was nothing. I know everyone calls him <laughs> UPL. Well, I when, I went to Buffalo, when I went to Buffalo for the first time in 2021, outside of losing my glasses in a windstorm, that was the name I was saying all night. Um, <laughs> so, but no, I, I, th- I think it'll... I think Buffalo could be one of those teams that'll give the Rangers a problem if they ever met them in the playoffs, so... And but, I think you're high. <laughs> I well, I I don't I don't do recreational drugs. I just drink a lot of Arizona iced tea, so it might be the same thing. But thank you. <laughs> I'm looking at this Buffalo roster. Like, yeah, they're a one line team. I mean, yeah, it can happen. It can happen. I'll give you that. I just well, yeah. I mean, you think about like they could kind of be. Wasn't there like an Arizona Coyotes team from a few years ago that made like the conference final? It could almost 20, be one of those things, right? You you 20, just have enough. Yeah. Twenty twelve, I'd something like that. Something Kyle like that, Oposo, yeah. right? He, like because they had Shane. That was like Shane Doan was still there. I think that was towards mm-hmm. the end of his career. Um, but you know, like the Sabers have Kyle Oposo. He's like their grizzled veteran. Thompson, as you said, is is a, he's a premier goal scorer in the league now. I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, John Luke. I think they're probably more like a year or two away. But but you know, the other thing is, frankly, you know, just looking at the Eastern Conference as a whole. I mean, it's so much deeper and more dangerous than the West. And, you know, there are, there are going to be a couple of good teams from the East that don't make it. Whereas I think in the West, you're going to have like a bad team that does make it. So, um, you know, but that's a discussion for another day. All right, let's, let's do our last, uh, our last question. here. All right. The last question comes from Terrence. His handle is at the Terranator. Very clever. Nice. Do you think the Rangers should go all in for a top six forward like Tarasenko or Meyer? And he specifies not Kane as a rental, or should they add a depth D and or a bottom six forward and stay the course? Great question. 
Dave, go ahead. You see, I know what I want to say. And I know what my answer is. But my answer is accounting for the Rangers actually having lines that are deployed properly. And that's skewing my answer. But I have to account for the coach. The coach wants a new top six right winger. If you can get a top six right winger for the same cost that you got Andrew Kopp at, then you do it. I'll also say this, Dave, which I think is something that we don't generally talk about that much with the Rangers, although we might have to start. It's something that Knicks fans deal a lot with is the owner. And I think there is a oh. good chance that not only does the coach want some more star power in the form of a top six right winger, I think the owner might too. And I think if this team ends up with Patrick Kane, which I think is still possible, although unlikely, you can draw a line straight to the owner. I think he yeah, that, will that, go yeah. to his general manager and to his coach and whoever he talks to and say, guys, we're close. Uh, it looks like we need some more star power. Everybody in hockey and everybody even in beyond, you know, casual hockey fans even know Patrick Kane. The guy's won three Stanley Cups and we know he'll want to play here. So, and look, I know there's been, again, I'm sort of glossing over some of the details here. He's talked about wanting an extension and, you know, not wanting to be a pure rental. And we know that that just couldn't happen with the Rangers. Um, I know that they're also expecting to get a player like Kako or Lafreniere in the deal. That's oh, what a load happen. of shit that is. I know that's <laughs> not real. That can't be real, right? Oh, I mean, they're, they're right. Come on, D- Davidson's not that stupid, is he? That's his name, right? Kyle Davidson, their GM. Oh, that I, mean, I don't yeah, know. I think Drury, so, yeah. Even Drury's not that dumb to do that to give up Kaka or left for a half a season of Patrick Kane. Give me a hey, yeah, quarter break. of a season. No yeah. chance. Quarter of a season. Yeah, we're already well past the halfway mark. We've already played forty nine games. Um, oh, no, listen, yeah. it's it's um. Uh, to that point, though, and I think, you know, Terrence is very smart because he puts a player in his question that I think you can get without needing to go, quote unquote, all in. And that's Tarasenko. Look, we know that the, the, the ask for Timo Meyer is astronomical, $10 million qualifying offer, all these factors that make him kind of unattainable for the Rangers. Now, it's scary that he could go and probably will go to one of their direct competitors in the East or in the Metro. But let's worry about that another time. Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, talk about a guy who's almost a perfect fit, right? Right winger has won a cup, you know, even though he's, you know, and look, I I don't subscribe to this line of thinking, but a lot of old head North American hockey guys do. He's Russian. So, you know, does that mean he doesn't play defense or he's a little bit quote unquote enigmatic or doesn't try her blood? No, no, no. He is a all around very good player who ups his game in the playoffs and knows how to score in tight areas, which again, I talked about earlier with Jack Hughes. I don't think he knows how to do that yet. He'll probably learn how to do it and be very good, but it's not happening this year. Tarasenko has been through the battles, comes with that pedigree. Again, to, to lean on the Russian thing a, li- a little bit, you've got Panarin and uh, Shesterkin in the room, potentially Kravtsov, although he probably goes the other way in such a deal. Um, so I think if you want to go big game hunting, it's not Meyer, it's not Kane, it's Vladimir Tarasenko. I I feel I feel as if... If they don't go for Tarasenko. So this is how I see it. They're going to go for Patrick Kane. That's that's the given. 
you can already kind of tell it's going to happen because all all these beat writers and reporters are talking about it. And and obviously you guys mentioned the owner and uh, them getting Patrick Kane would be a very Wilpon Mets type of move, getting a player who's over the hill, you know, it'd be like, yep. Oh, Hey, let's trade a, let's trade a decent starting pitcher for Mo Vaughn who can only walk on one leg. That would be basically them getting Patrick Kane. But, but we'll much. sell a lot of Mo Vaughn jerseys. <laughs> Right, which unfortunately I think I have one. Um, oh, <laughs> sucker! But um, yeah, I know. So when it comes to the Mets, I'm the biggest sucker. Anyways, um, so you know, Tarasenko makes sense. Another guy I think that would make sense would be James Van Riemsdyk, local Jersey boy. Mm-hmm. I think that would also kind of make yeah. sense. The cost wouldn't be too much. Um, he would fit in very well. I really wish that. They were able to find a way to squeeze in Frank Vetrano. I know he's a cap casualty, but he worked so well with Kreider and Zabanajad during those playoffs that if there was anyone that I had wished they had capped, it would have, it would have been him. Um, but maybe they, and you know, maybe they get another guy who we didn't expect them to get. I didn't expect them to get Andrew Cop. I know you guys didn't expect them to get them him either. And same for Braun and for uh, even and um, Vetrano himself. We didn't yeah. expect them to get. So maybe there's going to be another trade where they get like a, I don't know, cost controllable guy to play the first line. But Tarasenko is the ideal fit. It would make up for picking up Dylan McElrath in 2010. If the if the Rangers do well in the playoffs, it could be some sort of you know penance for that. And if you're, you're really, really think giving me PTSD, <laughs> well, I'm, I think well, the McElrath <laughs> thing is, is is worse than the Buchnevich thing for you, Dave. Yeah, um, it is. It is. Well, Matt, when McElrath got drafted, that was when I had really started to really like get into like hockey, hockey like a lot, and it was either. I think Cam was Cam Fowler part of that draft year too. If I'm yes, remembering that correctly, yeah. Yes. So it was either it was either McElrath, Cam Fowler, or Vladimir Tarasenko. And yeah. I, but anyways, I'm not saying they had a sixty six percent chance of getting that right, and they did not get it right. And they did not get well, it right. At least it's not Boston bad, where they could get the bro- they could get Connor. Uh, who, who the Sh- hell was Connor it? Shabbat and Matt Barzell? Barzell, yep. yeah. Instead, yep. they got. Uh, Zborl, Debrusque, and Sinishin. Oh yeah, right. Sinishin. Yeah, he never <laughs> doesn't even play, does he? No, no he he's doesn't. in he's in the AHL. Last yeah. I saw. Um, but yeah, no, I I think those are the guys who um, not Zachary Sinishin. Um, Tarasenko, <laughs> uh, would be perfect for this team. And I I do know that uh, someone I think I think Russell mentioned it. Just kind of, you want to add more fuel to the fire. If Filipino wasn't pr- pr- uh, producing, which we know now he is, you could get Ryan O'Reilly for cheap with Tarasenko. Yeah. But here's the th- here's the thing about Tarasenko, and this will be, you know, I don't want to keep up any more of your time. Um, I sound like an FAN caller. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's late at night. They let you talk as long as you want. If yeah, you call after well, ten o'clock anyway. Unless you're on with that fraud, Sal Licata. But anyways, um, so. The thing about Tarasenko that I like is that I, I can't remember off the top of my head how much he's making right now, but I feel as if if thing if they do trade for him and things go reasonably well, they could sign him to a short-term deal that will fit under the cap and could be a placeholder for someone just in case they don't really pan out. Because that's always been the issue with this team is that they always have solid top four, top five players. But 
what really gets them over the hump is depth. And I think mm-hmm. if they can keep Tarasenko on this team, you know, for at least an extra season or two, it wouldn't hurt. You throw them one five, you know, if you do the math, the Rangers are going to have at least almost eight, nine mil in cap. You know, the buyouts are going to go off the books. They're probably not going to bring Halak back. Sammy Blaze probably gone, you know, and then maybe you make a trade or two if they feel yep. it necessary. They're going to have, they have space, even though it's going to be a little tighter than most, but they're going to have more space than others. So if you really wanted to hit home the, we're competing, Tarasenko, just I just want to buy the jersey, damn it. I want to buy that 91. Oh. Just give it to me. I want Tarasenko. So I'm gonna throw another name out there for both of you. Dylan Larkin. <gasps> oh well, he's a center. I like that. So that, I mean you're talking uh, big centers can, centers can play wing. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, wing. that's true. Well, ideally my target would be Elias Pettersson, but that's upcoming on Blue Seat Block soon. You'll hear that Dil- from me soon. Dylan enough. Larkin, oh, nice. six point one million. <laughs> Unrestricted free agent. That's fun. That's fun to think about. That is. I like that. So, uh, I like the idea of JVR too. I do. I do want to throw that out there. And his, I thought he was one of those guys who actually kind of like Patrick Kane, whose underlying numbers have completely tanked over the last two years, but that's not the case. JVR is still a good, like three zone player. He, he has good offensive impacts. He has good defensive impacts still scores goals from in front of the net. They're going to need that mm-hmm. type of player. So either Tarasenko or JVR would be ideal, I think, if you want to talk about that next tier up. Because I think a lot of people are, are thinking, you know, back to the question, it's that the the two very uh, stratified scenarios, right? It's either we're going to get Patrick Kane, big game hunting, or Meyer, or we're going to bring back Mott and go get a six defenseman and call it a day. And I think there's that middle tier there, which is actually you can get a bona fide top six guy that's not Kane or Meyer and then not pay the King's ransom. So that, that is kind of the space I'd like to see them play in. Uh, and we'll see if it comes to fruition. All right, guys, uh, we've been going for almost an hour and an hour and 10 minutes here. It's been a great show. John Luke, great having you on any final thoughts from you, Dave or John Luke, before we sign off. Uh, it's good to be back guys. You know, hopefully we're able to get this going weekly again, you know, life not getting in the way. Absolutely. Shows every Thursday on the docket moving forward, as well as potentially some live shows, Twitter spaces, et cetera. So stay tuned for all that. Uh, John Luke, welcome to the party. It's been great to have you. Great having you. you. Uh, Any final thoughts from you? Uh, Like I said, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm glad you guys didn't totally feel repulsed by me here. Um, but, uh, I'm looking forward to growing this podcast and, you know, turning it into something that people will, uh, continue to flock to. You guys have done a great job in the past and I look to try and add to the already good job that you guys are doing. So thank you. We appreciate that. We appreciate all of you, our listeners. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of live from the blue seats. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 